Lord, we love you. And we pray this morning, oh God, you speak to our hearts. Father, you know every need that's represented here this morning. You know every individual, every family. You know every battle, every secret struggle. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to your people and touch them with a special touch of your grace this morning. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, do what only you can do. Heal hurts, refresh weariness, give wisdom where there's confusing. Father, in the name of Jesus, please speak to your people and please touch them like only you can. Meet their needs. Draw each one of us closer to yourself. This morning, give us a fresh understanding as we look into the word. Teach us your ways that we might know you better. Teach us your ways that we might please you better. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint your servants as they minister. Let a fresh measure of your divine grace just flow from their words and flow from their touch. And may every heart that is hungry and thirsty for God, may every heart that is willing to respond to the call of the Spirit receive a special touch this morning. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Let's give Jesus a clap offering. He's worthy. He's wonderful. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. We praise you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Lord. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see everybody. Isn't God good to us? Did you come expecting? You know, that's half, half the thing right there. I mean, if you just come with an expectation. Amen? My mother taught me that. If you just come with an expectation. Isn't that true? You know, once I, dad worked shift work, so I got stuck driving her when I got my license. Amen? So a 16-year-old had to sit through some of those long services back then. They didn't have the secret friend. They had no time limit then. They just had church, hard wooden pews. And I'd walk to the parking lot with mom, and she'd be blessed. Tears in her eye. And I'm thinking, what service does she go to? And I was just a 16-year-old kid, you know. I'm thinking, like, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I. But, you know, I learned after a while, because she came with an open heart, that even times, let's say it was a Sunday night, and the assistant, he didn't exactly hit it out of the park. She'd walk out giving God praise for something she read in the bulletin. I mean, I mean, <laughs> but she got blessed. But I just learned it as I got older. I said, what was the key to mom always getting blessed when she went to church? She always came with an expectation. Her heavenly father doesn't disappoint. Amen. So if you come with an expectation, I'm telling you, folks, that's half the thing right there. Get ready. God's going to touch you, and the Lord's going to speak to you, and the Lord's going to comfort you. If you just say, here I am, Lord, touch my heart, speak to my heart. I'm a willing, open vessel that you can write upon the tablet of my heart. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Well, before the unis come, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And Sister Amy is ready to take you and have a good time. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. You know, it's so good to have, have the unis with us. As most of you know, they, they live on the grounds at least three months or so each year. Most of their time is in... Wisconsin. For some 20 plus years, they were Assembly God pastors in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And then somewhere along the way, God tapped them on the shoulder and said, it's a new season. It's a new day. I'm putting a new mantle on you. 
And now for the last 20, 25 years, they've been traveling from church to church, going to different nations and preaching the gospel as evangelists. And it's a valuable and it's a blessed ministry. And they've blessed us so much in the past. I, I forgot to give an account how many people have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit through their ministry. And Brother Uni just has a, a gift from God to explain it and lead people into it. And, uh, but always has a good word. And Sister Uni always has an anointed song. So if you're glad that they're here, let's give them a give God bless you. A big God bless you as they come. Oh, you're... Thank you, Pastor, and what a joy, what a delight it is for us to be here at our Florida home church. We enjoy worshiping with you so much and just being with you and the fellowship and the kindness and the love, and it's just so wonderful to be here. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for inviting us and the privilege and the opportunity we have to minister, and we look forward to another, what, a month and a half yet to be down here and uh, fellowshipping and just being with all of you. Now, just before we share the message of the morning, let me just take a quick moment, if I could, for the sake particularly of those that are new to the church, an exciting growing church like Pleasant Grove. There's folks here that weren't here the last time we were here. And, and uh, to let you know that the table out there in the foyer area runs itself. Don't feel like we have to be back there. Don't wait for us to come back there. If you're buying a book, you're buying a CD, you'll find a gray box on the table. Paying with a check, make it out Fresh Fire Ministries, put in the gray box. Paying with cash, put into the gray box. If you need change, then come and find us, paying with a credit card or debit card, then come and find us. Otherwise, table runs itself. Everything's available for a $15 donation unless there's a sticker saying something else. Some books are $10, have a $10 sticker on them. Some CD package are $20, have a $20 sticker on them. That's because there's two CDs in there. But if there's no sticker on something, it'd be $15. Books on a lot of different subjects, books on prayer, books on fasting, books on end times, uh, just a myriad of different subjects. We've got two books that we've written ourselves. This one's called More Power, Supersizing the, the, Supersizing the Working of the Holy Spirit for Life and Ministry. It's a manual to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? How can I receive the baptism? How to put it to use in my life? And that's available back there. It's one of the $10 books. More recently, written another book called God's Power Tools for Life and Ministry, dealing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Bible examples of the gifts in operation. Testimonies of the gifts in operation today. Also one of the $10 books. Now you can get it from Amazon for $12.99. If you're not a Prime member, you have to add another 3 or $4 to that. So you're looking at $16, $17. You can get it back there for $10. No shipping. Don't have to be a Prime member. So the best deal is back there. But anyway, another book that would kind of, in a way, relate to our message this morning. This is by Jim Cimbala called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and just a very inspiring book. He actually wrote the book 20 years ago, but this is an updated version of that book, and so we encourage you to look at that one. Music of various different kinds. You love the old hymns of the church, some country style. This is still the most popular CD we've got on the table. Alan Jackson singing the old hymns of the church, country style. Either a lot of Alan Jackson fans in this world or a lot of people like country music. But anyway, it, we keep reordering it, reordering, reordering it. You love the old courses of the church. We've got this one, Worship Classics. Uh, that's available. You love the more modern courses. We've got a CD about that. Two other things to quickly mention. If you want to get our written newsletter, write down your name and address. If you haven't gotten one since last year, don't worry. We didn't take you off the list. We haven't sent one out since last year. This comes out hardly ever. 
Okay, but we've got a weekly email that we send out every single week, lets you know where we've been, what God's done in the services, where we're going to be in the coming week. You want to get the weekly emailing, write down your email address. Also, if you want to follow us on Facebook, become friends with Beth on Facebook. Don't look for me there. I don't know how to get on, don't know how to get off. I'm not there. Don't really want to be there. But uh, anyway, look for Beth, and she will gladly be your friend and let you know what's going on in the ministry. Then one last thing. Please pick up one of our prayer cards. Some of you have been praying for us for years, and every Tuesday we get prayed for, and we appreciate that so very, very much. But we encourage you, pick up a prayer card. Bring it home. Put it somewhere you're going to see it. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your Bible. Put it in a book you're reading. And whenever you see the card, remember us in prayer. And when you pray for us, where we go, you go. And what God does in those services, you've got a part in that. There's people praying for this service here this morning and this Wednesday. Last week we were in Stark, Florida, before we were ministering in Crawfordville, Florida, and Brooksville, Florida, uh, Lakeland, Florida, Trinity. Now, pray that God's going to minister in the coming days in Palm Bay, Florida, next Sunday. Week after that, Plant City, or I should say Lake Placid, Florida, then Lakeland, Florida, then Mulberry, Florida, then Dunedin, Florida, and on and on it goes. Doesn't matter where we go, we need God every single week. That's the bottom line. No week when say, well, God, this week you take a rest We'll do this one on our own. There is no such week. We need God every single week. So be our partners in ministry. Pray for us. And we'd appreciate it so very, very much. I think that's all we're going to share regarding the table. We're going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please, this morning. And if you turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 16, we're going to read verses 25 and 26. Acts chapter 16 verses 25 and 26. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Acts chapter 16, starting with verse 25. And the Bible says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. If you'll join with me this morning, let's pray together out loud. Make this our personal prayer as we pray this prayer together out loud this morning. Pray with me out loud, please. Dear God, I thank you for who you are and for what you are doing in my heart, in my life, and in this church. And this morning, I ask you, to further your work in my heart, in my life, and in this church. Have your way in me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. I remember going to our first pastorate, which was in Minnesota. It's located 80 miles southeast of Fargo, North Dakota. It was our first pastorate after graduating from North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. Prior to that, I had a degree in business, worked in business for three years, and then God called us to go into the ministry, went to North Central, and then from there, we were now going to our very first pastorate, 26 years old, fresh out of Bible College, trying to learn all that I could learn, figure out how to do this pastor thing, and and just looking wherever I could, trying to glean information and, and watching and observing. 
And at that same period of time, I had a Bible school classmate who went to First Assembly of God in Fargo, North Dakota, as a music pastor. And there at First Assembly, they experienced a move of God. They experienced revival, and the church attendance exploded, and the supernatural that was happening in their midst had greatly increased. And I still remember what that pastor friend of mine said. He said, when corporate prayer increased, he said, I noticed worship increased. Interesting, when corporate prayer increased, worship increased. Not the length, it wasn't any longer than usual, but the participation increased, the intensity increased, the fervency increased, and their prayer meetings were the key. And it confirmed the progression that we saw happening. An increase in corporate prayer led to an increase in worship. An increase in worship led to an increase in God's presence. And an increase in God's presence led to the supernatural being increased. They had a Friday night prayer meeting at First Assembly there in Fargo. I think it met once a month. And there were times that Beth and I attended that prayer meeting, and it was the lifeblood of the church. It was the lifeblood that made everything else happen that was happening in the church. And this morning, our topic is worship. But before addressing that, we want to put in a plug for a moment regarding the prayer meetings. You know, last year, we, when we spoke on the Wednesday, in the Wednesday night service, we spoke on intercessory prayer. And we want to commend all of those who come out on Tuesdays and pray. And as I said, they appreciate your prayers. And we commend all of those who come out on Tuesday mornings for prayer. And now we found out that you're having a Saturday night prayer meeting. And how exciting. And we realize that there's many that can come to the Tuesday morning prayer meeting because you're working. But you can come to the Saturday night prayer meeting. And the principle holds true. The greater participation in prayer, the greater intensity in worship. And it's already great. I mean, we've just experienced it. I mean, there, were, there would be churches that would give an arm to have worship like we've just experienced. But you know what? There's even more. There's even more. There's even a greater participation. And corporate prayer leads to even more, leads to even greater. The little cliche that people have said this year is, more in 24. And there is more in 24. I had a pastor friend of mine say to me a while back, he said, I was on vacation recently. And he said, the church I was visiting, he said, as I looked, many were not participating in worship. They were watching. They were watching worship take place. Watching the worship team. Looking around, not participating. But the point is, worship is not a spectator event. It is a participation event. It's not something we watch, but it's something we do. And as we worship, here's the exciting part. Now, don't miss this. The exciting thing is that as we worship, God comes down. Psalm 22, verse 3. Listen, Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art, art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. That's O King James Version. You can tell by the way I read that. 
But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The Lord comes down. I've often heard it illustrated this way. It's like as we worship the Lord, he brings down a chair and he sits down in our midst. He comes down and he sits down in our midst as we worship him. Why do we worship at the beginning of a service? We want his presence to come down into our midst. And he comes down into our midst corporately. He comes down into our life personally. What is worship? It, it's expressing worth-ship to God. Expressing worth-ship to God. He is worthy. He is worthy. It's expressing worthiness to God. Expressing submissiveness to God. Expressing surrender to God. Expressing adoration to God. It's expressing to the one who is greater. We are the lesser. And we are expressing this to the one who is greater. Expressing worthiness to the one who is greater. He is worthy of our worship. Regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of our personality. Regardless of our outcome. He is worthy. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. He doesn't own us. Oh, he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. There's a song entitled "Nothing Else" by Cody Carnes, and you don't want me to sing it to you, but I'll quote part of it. It says, "Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do." I just want you. Did you catch the part? Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. We are called upon to worship him because he is worthy of our worship and praise regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our personality, regardless of our outcome. And praise is then thanking him for what he has done for what he is doing and what he will do. But this morning our message is entitled Prison Shaking Worship. Three points this morning. Point number one, regardless of our circumstances, we're going to worship. In our text we find Paul and Silas had been cast, had cast out a demon from a demon-possessed fortune teller. Her handlers were furious because they now had lost their source of income. And they went to the authorities, and the authorities, they arrested Paul and Silas. They tore off their clothes. They beat Paul and Silas with rods on their bare skin. The rods, they were a bundle of rods about five feet long, and they would thrash people with them. And Paul and Silas then, after being stripped of their clothing, beaten with rods, they had their feet fastened in stocks and chains and were put in prison. They were beaten and put in prison. You think you're having a bad day? I mean, my. They were in prison. They have been beaten. But listen to what it says. Acts 16, 25. They were worshiping God. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. 
They were worshiping God and they weren't quiet. It says the prisoners were listening to them. They weren't quiet. They were heard. And what happened? Suddenly there was an earthquake. The ground shook. The prison doors opened. The chains fell off. The guard saw that all the prisoners were loose now. And he knew that if they escaped, he was going to be killed. And so he thought, well, I'm going to beat them to it. And he started to try to kill himself. Paul yells out, don't. Don't do it. We're still all here. The guard comes running to Paul and, and Silas and says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. And we find that the guard ended up giving his life to Christ. The guard's family, they ended up giving their lives to Christ. The encouragement this morning is, whatever our circumstances may be, let's be worshipers like Paul and Silas. We're not going to wallow in our circumstances. Hey, we've all got circumstances. We've all got problems. I read a statistic this past week. It's kind of a depressing kind of statistic, but hey, you know what? 90% of the time, we've got a problem of some kind. Doesn't matter who you are, 90% of the time, you've got a problem of some kind. It might be big, it might be small. It might be health, it might be finances, it might be a relationship. But 90% of the time, we've got a problem of some kind. But determined in our hearts, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God. We're going to worship God. I remember I was reading an article by Darlene Check, and she was talking in this particular article. It was the year, she's, by the way, was the worship and is the worship leader of Hillsong Music and was uh, the writer of the song Shout to the Lord, very popular song. But th this was now May 2000, and she said we were re preparing to go on a three-week Hillsong worship tour through America. The tour, she said, were spiritually and physically very intense. She said, at the time, I was 12 weeks pregnant with a child. We had planned and waited for this child for a long time. Three days before we were to leave, Mark, her husband, and her, she said, we went to the, the doctor and we found out that the baby had just died in her womb. She said, I was shattered and heartbroken. The agony of that moment was indescribable. It was awful and terrible. She said, we had taken separate cars to the doctor, so I had to drive back to the house by myself while Mark followed me in his car. I got in the car and I just didn't know what to think. I felt the depth of my sadness would be too heavy to bear. When I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, sing, sing. It was the absolute last thing I wanted to do. But the Holy Spirit said, sing. I couldn't think of anything that I felt less like doing. Again, I heard the Holy Spirit say, sing. So after years of learning, it's much better to obey quickly. I started to sing. My head didn't sing, nor did I even know if my heart sang, but my soul sang. And it was almost involuntary. I sang two songs. The first song I heard coming out of my mouth was the hymn, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And then the second song she said she sang 
were the lyrics of a song she had written sometime earlier. And the song said, I will bless you, Lord. The chorus says, How my soul cries out to you, O God. I will bless you, Lord. She said, I experienced the power of God so sovereignly fulfilling his promise to heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. He said that, she said, the sweet presence of our glorious Savior placed me on the way to personal healing and victory. She said, I still had to go through the physical ramifications of losing a child, the operation, telling our girls, telling the church family. Mark and I, she said, we decided to continue our plans and to go on the worship tour. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. But again, night after night, I found myself saturated in his presence as I felt the Lord as I led the worship from a position of faith. I chose to lead worship and not give the enemy any more ground than he had already taken. No matter what you may be facing, your answer is, in the arms of God. She was victorious in that situation. It reminds me of a chorus that, again, I won't sing it to you, but there's the words to a chorus, raise a hallelujah. And this is what the words say. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Oh, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. We're going to worship in the middle of the storm. We've all got circumstances, but let's be prison-shaking worshipers, regardless, regardless of the circumstances. Then secondly, this morning, regardless of our personality, we're going to worship. John chapter 4, we find Jesus is walking through Samaria with his disciples. There's so many things out of normal protocol in this whole account. First of all, Jesus is walking through Samaria. Jews always went around Samaria. Jesus is walking through Samaria. And then the Bible says he, he's tired. And he sits beside a well. Hey, if you're tired this morning... Jesus knows what it's like. He was tired. He sat next to the well. And it's now about noon. And a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Very unusual that a woman would come at noon. Women always came late afternoon, early evening, because it was cool. She was coming in the heat of the day to draw water. Perhaps because of her past, or perhaps even her present. She wanted to avoid people. And so she gets to the well and Jesus asks for, asks her for a drink. She was shocked that Jesus talked to her. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. He was a man. She was a woman. Men didn't talk to women. Jesus begins to talk to her about living water. Tells her, go get your husband and come back. She says, I don't have one. Jesus prophetically says to her, you're right. You've had five of them, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Then they begin to talk about where to worship, and Jesus answers her in John 4, verse 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, 
for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The woman goes back to town and tells the people in town about Jesus. She says, come and see the man who told me things that I have ever done. They come and they see Jesus for themselves and they believe. But notice what Jesus said in this dialogue. Jesus said, those who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. What he's in sense saying is, regardless of our personality, regardless of our culture, regardless of where, what, where the location is, because they were discussing the location of where to worship, and she's of a Samaritan background, Jesus is a Jew, and so regardless of personality, regardless of culture, regardless of location, let's just be worshipers. Cultures and personalities are different. And oh my, do we find differences as we travel. Boy, do you find differences in personality. You take a Finlander from the upper peninsula of Michigan and you bring them to Little Havana in Miami. And oh my, do you find a difference in personality. I mean, for a Finlander, a handshake is a warm greeting. You show up down there, they'll never cut mustard down there. I mean, it's got to be a kiss on the cheek and nothing less is going to do. I mean, personalities are different. But we can all worship in spirit and in truth. We can all sing. We can all sing. We may not sing on key. I'm one of them who don't sing on key. I've told the story before when I told my mother that God had called me to the ministry. The first things out of her mouth were, but you can't sing. When your own mother says you can't sing, you know that's bad. That's bad when your own mother says you can't sing. I'm not a singer, but I can worship. Amen. Oh, music used to throw me for a loop. Remember years ago, some of you would remember probably when they would divide the congregation up and they'd sing rounds. You know, this group would be singing over here and that group would be singing over there. I never saw the sense in that, but anyway, they'd be singing these rounds. But it didn't matter what group I started with, I'd always end up with a group that was the loudest. <laughs> and so my group might have been singing totally something different than I was, but whatever group was the loudest, that's the group I'd be singing with. But hey, we can all sing. We can all sing. Not, maybe not on key, but Jesus didn't say on key. But we can all sing, okay? We can all clap. We can all clap. We've sang songs dealing with that. We can all clap. Unto the Lord. We can all do that. I'm not always on beat. I don't know where our drummer is here, but uh, I admire drummers so very, very much. How they can have all these appendages going and they're all going in sync. And I mean, I can't clap in sync. I, I have to look sometimes to see what Beth is doing, you know. And then sometimes she'll clap on the aft beat, I think she calls it, and they'll throw, totally throw me for a loop. And then if she's leading worship, I'm really in trouble because then I'm sitting right over there and I'll have to peek with one eye and see what Andrea's doing. And if she's on key, we're okay. Or she's on beat. Or I'm looking at pastor. And if they're off beat, I'm going down with you. But the point is, we may not always be accurate, but we can all clap to the Lord. We can all clap to the Lord. We can all lift our hands to the Lord. It's a position of surrender. And we can all lift our voices, expressing our worship to God. And these are all Bible expressions of worship. I learned they're not assemblies of God things. They're Bible things. They're Bible things. 
The Bible says, Psalm 9, verse 2, I will sing praises to thy name. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 9, Lift up your voice with strength. Lift, up, lift it up, be not afraid. The Bible says in Psalm 47, verse 1, Clap your hands, all you people. The Bible says in Psalm 63, verse 4, I will lift up my hands in your name. I found that these aren't assemblies of God things. These are Bible things. And this was all brand new to me. I grew up in a liturgical church. And in my first eight years of my life, very reserved church, a very reserved liturgical church. And just very, very liturgical and very, very reserved. I'm always reminded of the story of the young man who had given their life to Christ. They came into a reserved kind of a church and and, uh, they were just so excited, so excited. And and they'd raise their hands and and they would uh, say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And one of the ushers of the church came walking up to the young man and said, young man, we don't do that here. Young man, we don't do that here. He said, but I, but I just found the Lord. And he said, but we don't do that here. He said, I just found the, but I just found the Lord. And the well-meaning usher says, well, you may have found the Lord, but you didn't find him here. First eight years of my life, very reserved kind of church. Then I spent the next eight years of my life in an evangelical church, good church. I did find the Lord there. And, but music and, and worship was reserved. And, and then you compound that with the fact that my background, as I said earlier, is Finnish. 100% Finnish. Parents are both from Finland. Finnish people are known to be reserved. Very, very reserved kind of people. And in fact, it was illustrated to us when... We were ministering in Finland, and they, not in a mean way, but they accused me of being Americanized. You know, you, you've been Americanized. Because to let you know how the Finnish people and Finnish culture is, at least a, a major portion, is if you're walking down a trail, you know, a sidewalk, or going down a hiking trail, walking trail, and if your eyes meet somebody, and you don't know them, they don't know you, just keep on going. In fact, a typical Finnish person will look the other way or they'll look ahead. They'll just keep going. And I was told that if somebody meets you on the trail, you don't know them, they don't know you, and they say hi, they're going to assume one of three things. That person is either drunk or they're crazy or they're an American. Because only drunks, crazies, and Americans say hi to people they don't know. And so you come from a background like that, and then my parents started going to an Assemblies of God church. And I started watching worship that was a whole lot different than what I was used to seeing. But I found that as I watched and I observed and I compared it with Scripture, I found that it was Bible. It was Bible. It's not something we watch, but it's something we do. Now, of course, no one is ever made to do anything. But why not be a prison-shaking worshiper. Why not be a prison-shaking worshiper? And thirdly and lastly this morning, regardless of our outcome, we're going to worship. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, we read where earlier Lazarus had been raised from the dead. 
Jesus is now in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And they're at a table. Martha is serving food. Lazarus is reclining next to Jesus. Now you have to understand, they didn't sit in chairs back then. They sat on the ground. They would be sitting and they would be leaning on their left side, leaning on their left hand, and their legs would be curled behind them. And as Martha is serving, Lazarus is reclining next to Jesus, Mary took a pound of expensive ointment and anointed the feet of Jesus. And then she wiped his feet with her hair. Again, very out of protocol, because women didn't let down their hair in public. But the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Judas said, why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? Now, Judas didn't care about the poor. He was the keeper of the money. He was a thief. And Jesus said in John chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Her giving was an act of worship. And there's some truths about worship we can glean from this account. And and another account that's similar to this. Number one, we find that worship begins with a grateful heart. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Worship is an expression of love and gratitude. Jesus had changed their lives, and Jesus had raised their brother from the dead, and they were just expressing their grateful thanks for what Jesus had done in their lives. Secondly, naysayers may label worship as wasteful. John chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and the money box, and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Judas said this could have been sold for 300, denari- 300 days' wages. A dairy was a day's wage, and this could have been sold for 300 days' wages. Naysayers may, wor- may label worship as a waste. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. But Jesus doesn't see it as a waste. He loves our worship. He loves our praise. Thirdly, worship will often be criticized even by Jesus' own disciples. Now, this was another similar act of worship by another woman, and this time it was at the home of Simon the leper. How'd you like that distinction for your life? Simon the leper. This anointing oil was on Jesus' head now. Remember, the other one was on Jesus' feet. This account was on Jesus' head. Matthew 26, verses 8 and 9. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Here it was even the disciples who were thinking and being critical about this act that was happening. When his disciples saw it, it said. Fourth, 
The worship is a result of spiritual understanding. John chapter 12, verse 7. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. Mary anointed Jesus' body for the burial that would, would happen. She had foresight because she had been at the feet of Jesus. She had discernment. She didn't know what the future held, but she was going to worship. She didn't know what the future held, but she was going to worship. The point is, never miss an opportunity to worship. Never miss an opportunity to worship. If Mary had not worshipped then, she wouldn't have had a chance later. And then worship is celebrated by our Lord. Jesus saw the value. Matthew 26, verse 13. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever this, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus saw the value. The others, they saw the cost. Let's be prison-shaking worshipers, regardless of the outcome. Like Mary, we don't know the outcome, but we know the one who does. And we're going to worship the one who does. We don't know the outcome. I think back to three years ago, we mentioned at that point, I was diagnosed with having an early stage of prostate cancer. Did not know what the outcome would be. But here we are, three years later, and we're just fine. All the tests passed, all, everything is great, and we thank God for that. We thank God for that. But there are situations that we face, we don't know. We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who does, and we worship him. We worship him, and we're going to keep worshiping him. worshiping him. In closing this morning, we don't worship in order to get something. We worship him because he is worthy. We worship him because he's worthy. But while we don't worship to get something, we do receive as we worship. Mary received the residual fragrance of the oil, the aroma of that oil as she worshiped. Others received the residual fragrance of the oil. As we worship, we receive the residual fragrance of his presence. Others receive the residual fragrance of his presence. He comes down into our midst as we worship. He pulls up a chair and he does things that only he can do as we worship him. So let's choose to be worshipers, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our personality, regardless of our outcome. Inviting God to pull up a chair, come and sit in our midst, and letting Him do whatever He wants to do as we worship regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our personalities, regardless of our outcome. Let's be prison-shaking worshipers. He is worthy of it all. The words to a song, a couple of phrases in that song say, You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. He deserves, he deserves it all. He deserves it all. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this morning. Beth if, and worship team, if you'd come, please. Father, this morning we thank you and we praise you from the very depths of our heart for who you are. Father, this morning we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercy. 
Father, this morning we are so thankful for Jesus. Because, Father, we realize that without Jesus we would not get to know you. Without Jesus we would not be your children. Without Jesus we'd be on our own in this life. Without Jesus we'd have no home waiting for us in heaven. Father, we're just so thankful for Jesus. And Father, we realize that we can't earn, merit, or deserve anything we receive of you. But Father, we thank you that through Jesus it's possible. And Father, we realize that it's your grace and your mercy that make it all possible. And all we can do is reach out and receive and say thank you. Thank you that we can be your children. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you. Father, we also realize you never force yourself on anyone, but you wait for us to open the doors and the windows of our life. Father, we pray that in the closing moments of this service, we would just open the doors and the windows of our life, allowing your work to be furthered within us, allowing you to do in us things that only you can do, This morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around, please. And those watching online, you can participate also. I don't know each person here. I don't know who's watching online. But you might say, this morning, preacher, you just said that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have no relationship with God. And that is all biblically true. And you might say, preacher, I've never made a commitment in my life to Jesus. And without that commitment of your life to Jesus, you have no relationship with God. You're on, our, on your own to make it in this life, and you've got no home waiting for in heaven. But this morning, the good news is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come to me. I will cleanse you. I will forgive you. I'll make you a child of God. I'll be with you while you walk on this earth. But he's waiting for you this morning. He's waiting for you with open arms. He's waiting for you. Whether you're in the sanctuary or you're watching online. Or you might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I've done that before. But you know, you know, you know that as sure as you're here or watching online, you know you're not living by that commitment you made to Christ. And something we committed our life to years ago, but we're not living by today, doesn't do us any good. The issue isn't years ago. The issue is where we at this morning. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. Come back to me. I've still got a plan for your life. He's waiting for you with open arms. Or thirdly, you might be here this morning and say, preacher, I am a follower of Jesus. But there's stuff in my life that shouldn't be there. And I need Jesus to cleanse me, to wash me, and to forgive me of the sin in my life. And the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open just waiting. Waiting to cleanse, to wash, to forgive. If we're just willing to admit and acknowledge our need of his cleansing and forgiveness. And be willing to repent and turn from the sin. He stands with his arms wide open. Just waiting. Just waiting. This morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around, please. And those watching online can participate also. In a moment, if you 
never made a commitment of your life to Christ or you need to recommit your life to Christ or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin. In a moment, we're going to ask you to slip up your hand and then we're going to have one word of prayer for everyone who slips up their hand this morning. So this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed and no looking around, please, if you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ or you need to recommit your life to Christ or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin, this morning, right here, right now, right where you're at, just slip up that hand right now. Just slip it up right now and put it back down again. I see that hand. You may put it down. I see hands going up. Are there still others? Still others? Still others? Still others? We'll wait a moment longer. Still others? I see that hand. You may put it down. Still others? Still others? Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this sanctuary. We thank you for what you're doing online. Father, we thank you. And we thank you for the tenderness of hearts. Father, individuals who are responding to the tuggings of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray this morning you will minister to the very reason why they've raised a hand this morning. In this quiet moment, if you need to make a commitment of your life to Jesus, just say, Jesus... Forgive me of the sin in my life. Come and live within me by your Holy Spirit. Help me as I live for you from this day on. If you need to recommit your life to Christ, say the same thing. Jesus, I recommit my life to following you. Cleanse me, wash me, and forgive me of the sin in my life. Or if you need forgiveness of sin in your life, just say, Jesus, forgive me of the sin in my life. Give me victory over that sin. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. Thank you for what you're going to be doing in the coming days. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And Father, we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name.